The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> You're listening to Believe You Me with Michael the Count Bisbing. You know my name yet? And Anthony Lionheart-Smith. All right, on today's episode of the Believe You Me podcast, we are joined by probably, well, was one of the hottest free agents in the sport of mixed martial arts. I am, of course, talking about Michael Venom Page. He was signed with the UFC, not yes. with the PFL. <laughs> What's going on, Mike? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you, bro? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Um, so you joined us on Tales from from the Octagon. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, yeah, great man, to have you there. And when you were on there, I said, I said, who are you fighting? Or sorry, who are you signing with? And it sounded like you were going full bore, PFL. Sounded like the contract was done. Sounded like Cedric Dumbe, I believe, was the opponent. What the hell happened? <laughs> I gotta keep people guessing, man. I can't just—I couldn't just give it everything on the table. You know what I mean? I have to keep everyone guessing. So it's a little bit, a little bit tricky. Keep people talking. Yeah, and then, yeah, surprise everybody. Yeah, I certainly did that. So uh, you're making your de- debut on UFC 299, which is looking like one of the most stacked cards. But yeah. uh, without going into too much uh, uh, private details, I don't expect anything too much. But what was the deciding factor in signing with the UFC? And I'm not trying to instigate any anything negative yeah, yeah. about the PFL, the great organisations. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's it's to be fair, it was it's, it was it was difficult. Obviously, PFL are really pushing uh, hard, and it looked like they're onto something uh, quite quite big. It looks very very well structured, and so on and so forth. But uh, for me, and I, I even had this conversation with them. I was like, it, in order to turn my head uh, away from UFC it would have to be uh, a ridiculous offer. Um, and, you know, we went back and forth and, you know, they wasn't able to kind of get to to that place. But, um, you, know, I, you know, I think it's good to have this kind of competition, especially for fighters. And I've always said that from when I, you know, was first kind of, you know, growing up in the MMA world. It's great for fighters to have this kind of competition and have another organisation to, to be able to go to. So, you know, I wish them all the best. But, yeah, the UFC is, is kind of, kind of been in my heart since joining MMA or the world of MMA. It's always, you know, seeing the likes of yourself and, and other great champions uh, come up. It's always been something I kind of see, kind of have seen myself uh, at least at one point in my career doing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I know for a fact the UFC fans will be very happy to have you because, you know, you've you've always been a remarkable talent, not kissing your ass, you know, I mean, the things you've achieved in your, in the sport and what you've done in martial arts. Now, for those people that don't know, you have been a lifelong martial artist. You are what, a fifth dan yeah yeah <laughs> in, uh, uh, in kickboxing just a cheeky yeah, little fifth yeah. dan <laughs> yeah i also uh lao ga kung fu guy almost got it to the end i was literally brown sash lao ga kung fu um and then obviously later on crossing over into the mixed martial arts world but yeah like martial arts has been my life since the age of three it's a it's a it's a family thing so yeah it's definitely close to my heart let me just ask you about kung fu because i i'm a little 
I'll say ignorant when it comes to Kung Fu. I've never studied it. I've never done anything. And, you know, I, I, I think given mixed martial arts and it's, uh, effectiveness. What's the word? Yeah. I'm looking for? Efficacy. That was the word doing the round throughout the pandemic. The efficacy. <laughs> uh, uh, efficacy. I, I've got it wrong again already. But anyway, um, kung fu, right? And I'm not asking you to disrespect the martial art, but how 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 instrumental is that in a real life combat situation? Um, for for mixed martial arts, there's there's. I think there's limited uh, things. By the same time, my um, my foundation, uh, my style comes from there. So as much as it's limited, it, it did create what you see in, in MVP. Um, we we did a lot of like traditional katas. But at the same time, we did it's weird because we did Laogar Kung Fu as an art, but we did kickboxing competitions for the fight. So obviously it, it did lean into um, a lot of my my strength training and stuff came from Laogar, my flexibility, my kicking ability all came from the Laogar Kung Fu. And then I was able to execute those moves in the kickboxing and then the kickboxing kind of formed the style that you see uh, mm. in, in, that I've now you know, brought to the cage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I guess doing martial arts from an early age like that, it kind of formats the brain because yeah. I did Japanese jiu-jitsu since I was a little yeah. kid. And whilst, again, some of it's usable, you know, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is also things, a, a lot of it you just wouldn't even attempt. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly, but, yeah. However, my brain was formatted so I could learn and pick things New up stuff, very quickly. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You've had an incredible career. You're known for your flashy knockouts. We talked about this at Tales from the Octagon. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll never forget denting uh, Cyborg <laughs> Evangelista's head. I mean, you yeah. threw a flying knee, damaged his head. How excited are you now to, and and you know, to be in the UFC, which is widely regarded as the the premier organization? Um, mm -hmm. What are your goals here, Mike? What are you looking to achieve? Uh, to be fair, I want to. Uh, I'm going to make as, as much noise as possible. I already know. The MVP that everyone's seen in Bellator, if I've done, even if I do even a quarter of the stuff in the, in the UFC, it just makes crazy noise. And I know there's more to my game. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking to go for the belt. There's no there's no point wasting time trying to grow. I want to get some exciting fights, go for the belt. I, I, I've already been, you know, had a, had a few interviews and spoken about how the, the magnitude of imagine me and Leon Edwards, you know, Leon Edwards hopefully still has the belt and I think he will. He's an exceptional, you know, exceptional fighter. Um, you know, I come in, create some big noise, get some, get a few big knockouts under my belt and then go for the belt. And imagine me and him in the UK uh, trying to fill out a stadium somewhere. Um, I think it, we, we, we can make that happen. And that would be incredible. But of course, first, we've got to get through uh, your debut opponent, who is yep. uh, Kevin Holland. And I think on paper, that's a tremendous matchup. Both yeah. tall, long strikers. He's an entertaining guy. How do yeah. you feel about Kevin Holland? Mate, he's, he's, he's a great, like, again, a, a kind of fan of his work from just obviously being a fan of the the, the, the game, watching him, seeing his fight, seeing how he, he talks. And, and like you say, the entertainment side of, of Kevin Holland, he's, he's, a, he's a game fighter. So I know I'm in for a fight. Um, it's, it's exciting. And it puts me right at the top. It's a, it's a big statement piece as well to go in and uh, uh, win against somebody like uh, Kevin Holland. Um, it's a big statement and it kind of sets me on the right track. So I'm massively excited. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's a perfect uh, kind of launching pad for you, UFC yeah. 299. It's a ridiculously stacked fight card. <laughs> Kevin Holland is a fan favorite. Everybody knows the guy. He's got a colorful yeah. personality. And I think stylistically, that matchup's going to allow you to be you. 
You know, I yeah. mean, yeah, okay, he's got great jiu-jitsu, he's well-rounded, but he's not mm. one of these, you know, hardcore wrestlers that's just going to be mm. shooting double legs, pushing yeah, yeah. you up against the fence. He's going to yeah. allow you to operate. So that must yeah. excite you. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Just It just fits my my style. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's not one-sided. He's he's competent in that area as well. So, you know, and he's long, he's awkward, he throws some crazy stuff that are all dangerous. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's what I mean. It, it just adds to the excitement of, of, of being at the UFC. And uh, I, I saw this, there was a bit of an interview this week or you're doing the rounds. You guarantee Kevin Holland will not try and do a gentleman's agreement that nobody shoots for a takedown, right? I don't think he will. Like, it'd be funny, uh, if you look at my history, a lot of people, initially, they, you know, they they see my style. Good strikers, they'll see my style, and from the outside looking in, they're like, you know what, he can never do that, that you know, the playing around and stuff with me. Then they get in the cage, and they realise that I'm a lot faster than they would have expected. I'm a lot more tricky. I start playing around, and it's like, you know what, let me just be a wrestler. <laughs> let me just shoot for his legs. And I've turned some amazing strikers into wrestlers, uh, in my in my career, and I know that like I, I just see it time and time again. Even even in in, in the gym, there's guys that I've, I've sparred in the gym that are renowned strikers, and they they I know they come in here thinking, you know, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get him. And, you know, a minute in, they're already shooting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I can't wait. I look forward to it. I'm going to play a little game of word association with you in the rankings here, if you don't mind. So you're coming in. Where's, where's Kevin Holland here? Is he not in the rankings? He's got to be in the rankings. Where is he? I don't see his bloody name. But anyway, uh, Ian Machado Gary, he's ranked yeah. number 10. Yeah. Well, how do we feel about Machado Gary? Um, prospect. Yep. You're doing big things. Um, mm -hmm. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, amazing style. Spectacular. <laughs> that, that that would have been one that I would have thought on paper as well. That must have been a front runner for the UFC, but I think he's got another matchup. Uh, Gilbert yeah. Burns. Oh, um, just uh, living legend. That's a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I've loved watching him for, for, for many years now and still at the top of his game, so... Amazing. And he's one of the nicest guys as well. He's just a class yeah. act from start I've to only met, I've only met him once, but yeah, yeah he's a, even in that interaction, you can kind of see he's just very respectful. Yeah. Just, yeah Obviously, the next uh, fight for the belt, I believe at 170, is going to be Bilal Mohammed, Leon Edwards. Yeah. I'll say I, I favour Leon in that one. We've seen that Same, one yeah, before. Yeah. I, and I think, other than yourself, Leon has the ability to go on and defend the belt many times. The mm -hmm. one fly in that ointment, I believe, is Shavkat Rachmanov. 17 yeah. and all, 17 yeah. finishes. What do you think yeah. about Shavkat? Um, tough guy, but I, I, I see holes. I see, I see some. I see a few holes there that can be exploited. Obviously, you can say it from the outside, but I, I see a few holes that can be exploited, and and uh, that another, that's another exciting fight. Yeah, listen, you, you're always so humble, Mike. You know what I mean? You are. You, you will not talk shit about anyone. And I love that about you because when people watch you fight, you walk out and you've got so much swagger. You look like the cockiest bastard ever, but you back it up. But then when when I first met you, I'm like, he's like the nicest, nicest guy. There's no controversy. You were probably like, what am I doing here at Tales from the Oxcon? Because the London show got a bit out of, out of hand. But... Um, the trash talking side of things, Mike, you know what I mean? That's a very popular thing these days. Um, yeah. What do you make of the current climate? A lot of people are saying a lot of nasty shit these days. Yeah, personally, I don't like it. Obviously, that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
bound to my martial arts heritage and my how, I, how I've been grown. Like I, I bow and show respect coming into the gym, bow to my, my coaches, bow to leave the gym. They're just I've just grown with that level of respect. And I, I don't mind the trash talking a little back and forth and, you know, it's a hyper fight, but I feel like there should be, a, there, well, there was, I feel like there was back in the day, there was like a gentleman's agreement that it stays amongst me and you because me and you get to settle it in the, in the cage. I feel like um, Conor McGregor's wave of like just how he exploded onto the scene, his personality. And I like what's, I always like to, I think everybody is drawn to what's genuine. That is genuinely him. But then you've got the people that come up after him that try to replicate what he's done in hope that they're going to get the same traction. And then it just gets ugly. And I think it's those guys coming through now that's trying a bit too hard and it's, they're not being honest with themselves. And it's getting a bit, yeah, it's getting it's getting out of hand, a bit too disrespectful. Like, there's certain things that I'm hearing, I'm like, if it's said to me, then I I don't know if I meet you in in, in the cage or I meet you in the car park, like, and that's just honestly speaking. See, there it is. There's the real MVP coming out. When, when, when the PR agents aren't around, when, 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 you know, when your manager's not there, it's like, this motherfucker said what? Um, you know, you touch on something there, Mike, because you've got a traditional martial arts background, as did... Earlier in the day, you know, mm-hmm. back, back when mixed martial arts first came around, we were all yeah. martial artists. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's kind of changed because the sports got mm-hmm. so big and now it's 30 years old. There's people yeah. that see it on TV and they want to, you know, they, 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 they see it as a career path as opposed yeah. to being a martial artist and then testing themselves and so, slowly grinding in and thinking, I'll go to the UFC and go against the best in the world. Um yeah. What do you think about the current state of affairs in in that regard? You know, because there is people now, you know, they start off with the UFC in mind. You know, do you yeah, think there's yeah. been kind of a shift in the mindset and the talent of people? Yeah, there's there's definitely been a shift, but um, I'm I'm hoping, and it feels like still a lot of the coaches are still around in terms of that they're still got a bit of the old school mentality. So, as much as these guys are kind of joining with no background of martial arts, they 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 are. And just learning mixed martial arts, they are learning from, for the most part, guys that have are, do have a background and do have a you know traditional values and stuff. So um, I think it does change when it comes to the PR side of things. But I think just to, from from what I see with a lot of the guys that I've worked with, trained with, and listened to who their coaches are, um, they're 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 still there. So again, I think it's going to take a little bit longer before it is you know it's com- complete wipeout and it is just complete the new coaches and the mm. new the new um, mixed martial artists. Yeah, yeah, the new generation, the George St. Pierre's and people like that, the slowly but surely, you know, we're all getting too old. 36 years old now, though, Mike. Um, You know, in a perfect world, what is your trajectory? How many fights do you think it will take? Because you you have got a big name, you know, you've got an incredible record, you've done some incredible, uh, you've had some massive moments inside Mm -hmm. a ring or a cage. For those people Mm -hmm. who don't know, you fought all over the world, you've done professional boxing, kickboxing to the cows come home. Mm-hmm. Only two losses in your storied career as well. What is yeah. the perfect path towards the title for you? Perfect path, you know, the defeat Holland, make a big statement. Uh, and, and if good enough, you know, they may be, I might be right there, but for the dangling, waiting for the title, or I have one more just to prove myself. And then again, I'm, 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 I'm back for the title. I'm, I'm in, as you say, I'm, I'm in it for a, a good time, not a long time. So I'm looking to make noise and, and make steps very quickly. Obviously, spending a lot of time in Bellator and other organizations. Uh, have you always kept up with the UFC? And and are you a fan? Do you watch the fights? So you, you know you can talk about some of the fights and stuff. 
Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I, it's, it's usually, I've always, I kind of class myself as a casual fan because um, it's, it's usually the big name and big hype fights that kind of get hyped and other the ones that I kind of go back and uh, go back and watch or for, for the big events, I'll go and I'll sit down and watch them. But it's usually I get to the gym and all the guys are talking about, oh, this, that, 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 oh, this person did this and that, and then I go back and watch the fights. <laughs> So I'm just looking at your record here. You made your debut in 2012. Mm -hmm. Tornado kick right off the bat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Setting the stall out high. As you say, you're a bit of a, a casual, if you will. Well, if you're mm -hmm. a casual fan, like a lot of people are, Sugar Sean O'Malley is main inventing your, mm -hmm. your, your debut card, UFC yeah, 299 yeah. in Miami, Florida. Yeah. Sean O'Malley, Chido Vera, you got any thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I, I'm, I, to be fair, I think Sean O'Malley has just impressed me. Every step that he's gotten, he's kind of taken every step that he's gone forward and every every fight that he's gone forward. I've just been more and more impressed with him, his timing, his just precision, accuracy. He doesn't really waste too much, you know, um, his setups. You can tell he's a very intelligent fighter. And even when I, I've heard him fight, uh, sorry, his talk, I think it was on like Joe Rogan's podcast, um, and you can tell he really studies the art, like he really pays attention. So, um, yeah, my, my money's all, all on O'Malley, definitely. Jeez, oh, going against my coach, Jason Perillo. <laughs> That's our guy, Venom. My God. <laughs> um, the Believe You Me podcast wouldn't be the Believe You Me podcast without one Mike Harrington. He's our producer and Brian McCain, the background. I think Brian just got out of bed, so I'm not going to ask him to jump on the screen. But Harrington, are you there? <laughs> because you got to get to Miami. There he is. You got to oh. get to Miami. And to get to Miami, you got to get on a plane. But I don't know if you know this, getting on planes these days isn't the most, uh, it's not the safest thing just lately in America. Harrington, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, so they found this crazy thing. Uh, an Alaska Airlines flight happened. Uh, it was going over the Pacific Northwest. A uh, There was a bolt that was wrong with the door, and it ended up coming off of the plane mid-flight. I saw, I saw Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. The door of the plane landed in someone's backyard in Portland, Oregon. Um, <laughs> they uh, the, Someone's phone got sucked out of the plane. Uh, somebody found it on the ground, still working and open to the Alaska Airlines, what? like where to get your bag part. Uh, so shout out to the iPhone. But they found when they made in China. At, <laughs> yeah. Dude, they looked at uh, they looked at the entire Alaska Airlines fleet, and they found that nine other planes were at risk of having this exact same thing happen to them. And in the wake of it, now the FAA is saying you shouldn't fly with babies or children on your lap because they're as much of a danger as that iPhone to be sucked out of the plane. I mean, they said, I saw the news this morning, they said, yeah, there were several babies on that flight, but they weren't close enough to the door. Had they been a bit closer, the babies would have been sucked off their lap. That's I mean, it's, it's not funny. It's horrifying. Yeah, um, yeah. What would you do if you're on a plane, Mike, and the door gets sucked off? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid question. <laughs> shit your pants. Um, this is this is where I'm hoping that my training and 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 grappling training play, pay, pays a, pays off, and I start holding as tight as I can to the seat. <laughs> Get that seatbelt on. Get yeah. that seatbelt. Are you a nervous flyer, Mike? Not not even the slightest. Not the slightest. Yeah. I've been flying since I was too young, so I, I've never been never been fast. Yeah, no, no, it's mental, the state of things these days. Even the doors are flying off. Absolutely yeah, bloody ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. And then, and then last night I saw um, there, was, um, there was some air traffic controller having an argument with a pilot. 
Uh, I saw it on Twitter. And now, granted, you can't believe everything you see on Twitter, but this air traffic controller was arguing with the pilot who's been a pilot for 15 years. And the, the, this woman saying, no, you've got to do mm -hmm. this. And the pilot saying, no, that's wrong. And she says, no, I know it's correct because I've Googled it. <laughs> to a pilot that's been flying 15 years, she's fucking Googling the rules, man. The world's going crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> the world is definitely going crazy, man. It's very, no, we're it living is. in scary times right now. Scary times, <laughs> my brother. Um, so my, uh, back to the fight with Kevin Holland. What do you? How, how do you yes. think this fight plays out? Um, again, I think you know what. If it, if it, if he's he's so he's such a tough guy. It's always it's always definitely um hard to 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 decipher. But I, I just see me just dissecting him, landing a lot of uh, precise, very powerful shots, which will make him want to kind of change his game plan. Instead of trying to stand there and strike with me, he may try try a few other things. Once that fails, if I, if I, you know, if he, or if he attempts to go for these things, he might, he might run into a knee. He might run into, he might run into a punch. He might run into an elbow. Um, and if he, if he still doesn't fall over, I just see him being a, a hot mess by the end of it when they raise my hand. Oh, a hot mess by the end of it. Let's go. Uh, I love Kevin Holland, though, as well. So shout out Kevin Holland. He's a great yeah, guy. The grappling side of things, Mike, mm -hmm. how do you think you'll fare? Because the UFC, a lot of wrestlers in there, a lot of Dagestanis, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of powerhouse, yeah, Division yeah, yeah, yeah. one All-Americans. You know, yeah. how, how is the takedown defense, Mike? And yeah, it's just, just, just going to force me. It's just going to force me to out of my game. You know what I mean? There's a... You know, I've got a lot of few bad habits and it's due to the style, unfortunately. So if I was solely wrestling, I'm, I'm fine. If I'm solely doing grappling, I'm fine. Due to the style, how my stance is, it, play, it can play a little bit of a... It, it changes the kind of um, the way I have to do everything. But it just forces me to out my game and, and kind of correct those mistakes and fix those things. And that's and that's it. You know, if they... if The thing is, people... Uh, First and foremost, find it hard to even get to me. You know, I've been in the cage many a times and they, they struggle to even get to my legs just because of the movement. But if they do, again, it's, it's, it forces me to out of my game. Yeah, I think that's what people don't realise. I'm trying to think there was a fight recently. Who was it? Oh, Colby. Colby versus Leon. And yeah. people were saying he's not shooting. And, yeah. and he wasn't shooting. Colby didn't do much. It wasn't yeah. the most incredible barn but, yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think a lot of that was due to what Leon was doing, the way he was yeah. moving, the way he was switching stances. Yeah. And then also the, you know, the doubt that goes into people's minds. Because if you, yeah. as soon as you shoot, you can walk onto a knee, an elbow, whatever, mm -hmm. and it's wasted energy. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah, I see you repping proudly London shoot fighters there. You've been with them yeah. since, what, since day one. Yeah, yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning, man. From the beginning. So um, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. No, London Shoot Fire is one of the first ever gyms, and they, they, they're no strangers to prepping people like yourself to get ready exactly. for wrestlers. They know yeah. the game inside and out. Yeah. So, so UFC. I mean, does it feel like you know that like this is uh, this was always destined to be? If yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's still a bit surreal, you know. Even seeing Dana mention my name, still a bit surreal, and then. I think as I'm going to get closer and closer to the fight, it's still going to, I'm still going to have that bit of like, oh shit, I'm in the UFC, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I've, I've always um, like raised up to the occasion. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it still. So you've got Sean O'Malley beating Marlon Vera, Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis, Gilbert Burns, Jack Della Madeleine, Kevin Holland, Michael Venom Page. I yeah. mean, it's going to be hard to stand out on this car because normally you would come in and like de deliver some crazy knockout and people would yeah, be talking yeah, yeah. about it. But this fight card is absolutely mental. If I do what I think, I actually do believe though, because every everybody else are existing UFC fighters. I think they're, they're just a question mark over my name makes my fight 
very interesting. Everybody's just, I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention just because they want to know. They want to know the answer. Can I, can I hang in the UFC? Can, is he, is he at that standard? So regardless of, I always say the same thing. I'll say it when I was in Bellator. I could be the first fight of the night. I still class myself as the main event because people want to see me and people are always entertained by me when I'm in the cage. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you did have two boxing matches. Is, is mm -hmm. the boxing side of things that's done? It's definitely done now. <laughs> well, exactly. Now. UFC are not letting that happen. So uh, it's definitely done now. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a martial artist. I love to kind of lean in and try and uh, try different or just test myself in different ways. Um, you know, I definitely would have done it more back then, but we had some political issues in the background. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, I tried the, the bare knuckle as well. That was that. To be fair, I actually had a lot of fun. I didn't get the result I wanted. I felt like I got the result. I, uh, I I got the result, but I didn't get the result I wanted. But I had I had fun. Like um, I always had to push and challenge myself. But for now, the the main challenge is the UFC now. Like, and can I get to the top? Yeah, of course. Uh, you're talking about the fight with Mike Perry. I mean, yeah. Mike Perry. If there's one person on planet Earth that mm -hmm. is suited to bare knuckle, yeah, it is that man. He's an absolute yeah, animal. Definitely, he's yeah. he's found his place, and it's nice because yeah, I do like him. He's a, he's a great character, a cool no, guy. Is. So yeah, yeah, he's found his place. It's kind of nice to see him, regardless not necessarily making the success that he wanted in the UFC. He's now fallen into this thing that is just perfect for him. Yeah. Now, now another thing that uh, stuck out to me when I did meet you finally in person was the size of you. <laughs> Six foot three. You're a big dude, making one hundred and seventy pounds. That's going to be a pain in the ass, Mike. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, I, for some reason, I don't know what it is about. Everyone says it, even in the gym. From one week, I'm, you know, I look massive, and then the, the second I know I got a fight, all of a sudden they're like, "Wait, how have you lost that much weight?" My body just like, "Yep, we're ready to go." And it just, I've never found it too much of a struggle at all. So this is why I've kind of continued to stay in that. Obviously, they say as you get older, it gets harder, and I have felt that a little bit. But even still, I managed to make it. You know, it's it's funny because I used to kind of experience the same thing because when I knew I had a fight coming up, all of a sudden my appetite wasn't what it yeah. was and things like yeah. that. And I think that was my brain subconsciously just taking over everything in my body because mm. I knew I couldn't, you know, go out and be binging and eating crappy food. Yeah, exactly. You know, I had to have a restricted amount of calories. So I just thought thing my brain was sending subliminal messages. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but you know, as a martial artist, you could probably Mind yeah. is a powerful place, man. So yeah, I, I definitely believe in that. And I just let I just let my body just because I know it's happened before. I just let my body get to work, and yeah. I always like I, I've never missed weight, never missed weight. Yeah, yeah. So this time next year, Michael Venom Page, Leon Edwards in a stadium in the UK. Do, do you know Leon? Do you have a personal relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I definitely know him. And as, as I say, like, I, I don't feel similar to what we were talking about earlier. I don't feel like we need to, we need animosity to necessarily build a fight. We're both prize fighters. We both got, you know, a, an established name. If I go and do what I've, you know, I know I can do in the in the UFC cage, we're we're gonna make some noise, and people are gonna be looking for this fight. We just need to, you know, just touch hands, rock it out, and then hug afterwards, regardless of the result. Let's go. Yeah, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Well, listen, Mike, no doubt you're getting ready. How is preparations coming along? <laughs> Tough, man. My coach is on my neck. <laughs> he's, not, he's not messing around. <laughs> when do you fly out to Miami? Um, it's the, they're find, trying to finalise that now, whether they want me to go out a little bit earlier. But to be fair, because I go, my family are there. I go back. I literally just came back from there. I never really have any kind of jet lag and stuff going to Miami. So I might not need to acclimatise. So maybe just be the week off.
Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. What is it? Five hours, something yeah, like that. Well, listen, yeah, Mike, we'll, we'll let you get back to it. I'll let you get nice training. One, Thanks for your time today. No, Thanks thank for joining you. us on Tales from the Oxygon. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's fucking no, out no. of it. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's not messing around. He's got a training session to get to. Uh, thanks for joining us in London, mate. Uh, I, yeah, I hope man. you enjoyed yourself. Man, uh, listen, I was like, even the first time I came down, love listening to your story. It's very inspirational in terms of what you had to go through to kind of get to the get to the title. And I feel like you've even, uh, I think I said it to you, I feel like you found your place. You, you're so comfortable on stage, man. It's just, you've got such a great presence, um, great energy, great character. It was, it's, it was a blessing to be there. Thank you for inviting me. No, you're the man, Mike. All the best against Kevin Holland. Sadly, thank I won't you, be there, but I will be watching. Mike, big fan. A lot you, of respect. And thanks for your time. Nice one, man. Take care, man. Take See it you. easy, brother. There he is. Bye. The one and only... Michael Venom Page. We'll be right back after this break. All right, today's episode is sponsored by Chalk.com. That is C-H-O-Q.com. And Chalk, they specialize in all natural supplements and more importantly, their new natural testosterone booster, which is taking the sports nutrition world by storm. Men's testosterone levels are at an all-time low. Every single year, your testosterone levels dip. If you're listening to this, you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, you got to give that stuff a boost. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel like more of a man. You're going to lose weight. You're going to be in better shape. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be back to the old you. And that is where Chalk comes in because their natural testosterone booster, it's, it, well, number one, it really works, and it's not full of crap, okay? The supplement industry is filled with nonsense, supplements that don't really work. Well, Chalk uses full disclosure labeling. So you know exactly what is going into your body and you know the exact ingredients measured to exact clinical research. Chalk Daily is the cleanest research-based testosterone booster available. And along with Chalk Daily, be sure to check out the Male Vitality Stack and the Stack Ultra. If you feel like you're dipping in life, if you're feeling like, you know, the libido isn't what it used to be, if you're not getting the results from your workouts and you just kind of feel drained and unfocused, your testosterone levels dropping is probably to blame. So give it a boost and do it the natural way and do it with chalk.com. Right now, go to chalk.com. That is C-H-O-Q.com. Use the code BISPING at checkout for 35% off the entire order. Start the year off with a bang. Go to chalk.com, use the promo code BISPING and get 35% off your entire order. All right, shout out to MVP for joining us. Can't wait for that fight. What do you think, Harrington? Who wins that fight? I'm putting you on the spot. When's the last time Kevin Holland came on this show? MVP was just here, so I got to go with Michael Venom Page. <laughs> That's it. You uh, you pick with uh, who comes on the show, friends of the show. Kevin Holland has been on a couple of times, though. He's been on plenty, but so is Michael Venom Page at this point. And like I said, it, it, when, when your neck and neck is guest at this point, whoever did it last. So, Black Man, the ball is in your court. Anytime you want to come on the show, Kevin, get try try to win my vote. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both black men, Harrington. So, I mean, you you are you are okay. coming out with some choice descriptions lately. <laughs> uh, you're the one who reminded me he's the superhero black man. He is the superhero black man, and that's a fantastic fight. I can't wait for Michael Venom Page. But last night, Dana White took to Instagram announcing UFC 300. Uh, another fight, Zhang Weili versus Yan Nan. Thoughts on that one, Harrington? My, my first thought was, oh, title fight for UFC 300. We're definitely getting Leon versus Bilal announcement, right? Nope. Um, I don't know. I'm happy for this fight. No, no, it's a tremendous fight. I mean, Zhang Weili's phenomenal. Uh, 
All Chinese affair, Chinese champion versus Chinese contender. I think it's a tremendous fight. I think it's going to bring a lot, of, a lot of eyeballs from the other side of the planet. I was a little surprised they didn't do that in China, though, because, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Zhang Weili's incredible. I love watching a fight. That fight with Yon JJ was unbelievable. I think Dana went through some of the stats last night when she fought Amanda Lemos. It was something like 280 strikes to 21. So the output's phenomenal. She's an amazing champion. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we're still yet to see what the main event is, though. So far, what have we got? UFC 300. Uh, let's have a look. What have we got, Hamilton? What's we been announced? Apar versus uh, Aljamain Sterling. I know that one's on there. Uh, Rakic versus Yuri Prohaska. Uh, yep, yep. Cody Brundage. Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel. Brundage. Yuri Prohaska and Rakic. Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian. Zhang Weili, uh, Yan Zhao Nan as the first title fight. So there's going to be another title fight. Uh, if you had to guess, what do you think? And I know we're, we're, we're pounding this story. We're, we're beating it to death. But last time we said anti, uh, Jim Miller versus Brock Lesnar, we were having a laugh. I spoke to Jim Miller. Obviously, he's in action this weekend um, at the fighting meetings. And he brought it up. What's up, Brian? That's the biggest up. news from last episode. <laughs> it, I've seen it on literally everything. Anthony Smith says uh, Jim Miller beats Brock Lesnar. It's Me wild. Outlets, they love to run with the story. So you stay on, Brian. Like, I did a little thing on my YouTube channel the other day, and I said, like, uh, maybe Brock Lesnar versus Tom Aspinall. And I was kind of joking when I said it. You know, I wasn't deadly serious that that was going to happen. Well, there's multiple stories now. The Daily Mail, as we know, we're going to trust them. They are a very respectable outlet. They're running with the story. Michael Bisping says it's Tom Aspinall versus Brock Lesnar. I'm like... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it, was, it was a joke. I mean, well, dude, that's a great fight, and I don't think anybody's not going to pay to see it. So, I, I mean, just roll with it, dude. Take the job as matchmaker. People are making stretches because there's been no fights. You know, it's like they're really, really picking up for some news. Now, now, Harrington, I will say this, and no offense, people are annoyed about the quiz that... Um, mm -hmm. You know, you didn't give the answers to every question. People are like, I wanted to know the answer. You didn't give the, all all of the answers, Harrington. Oh, I feel like I did, but here's the thing. I have it all in a Google Doc. I will, uh, I'll release it from the BYM Twitter so you guys can look through it and quiz your friends. I The only flack I got from that quiz was people saying it was far too hard, got to dumb it down for next year. Not for you guys, but for the people listening at home, they want to play along and get some answers right. So, Well, they're well, not I competing can't. for all this clout. <laughs> I kind of agree, though. They were hard questions. And you know what? Here's a question you could have asked, because we're talking about Tom Aspinall and John Jones, right? That That's a big story. They're going back and forth on Twitter. We've talked about it a lot. Orlovsky is fighting this weekend, right? And I'm commentating the fight. And how good is it to have fights back? My God. Oh, and by the way, Harrington, I saw your little thing about how to turn a bet into $50,000. By when was that? Uh, by UFC 300. Yeah, yeah. I, good, I, job well done. If you're not following Mike Harrington, give him a follow. What is it? DM Harrington? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And man. B. McKay is right. Give the guys a follow. So anyway, I'm, I'm commentating this weekend, so I was looking up Andre Arlovsky. And because of Tom Aspinall, people are like, well, when has an interim champion ever defended a belt? Andre Arlovsky was the, an interim champion and defended the interim belt, according to Wikipedia. I did not know that. Wasn't wasn't Henan Barrow's entire run an interim champion as well, oh. if I'm not mistaken? Because Dominic Cruz was out. I think he defended the interim belt against TJ, and then eventually TJ got graduated. Ah, as far okay. as I remember. But it's not that crazy to defend an interim belt. So I would uh yeah, I wouldn't look past that at all.
Did you see that John Jones came out and basically said, listen, I've done everything I can. Uh, I don't need to prove myself. And he kind of alluded to retirement. If you can just pull up that tweet, Brian, if you get a chance. But what did you think of that, Harrington? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't like somebody like John Jones, who I know is like a student of the fight game, right? Like he's always, he tweets almost as much as Conor McGregor during these UFC events. So for him to come out and say, I don't know who 50% of your resume is when Andre Arlovsky's on that resume, get out of here, John Jones. Like that is, you are selling wolf tickets with that one. Now, hold on, hold on. Listen, Arlovsky is about 97 million years old. Right? <laughs> He's a legend. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's a former champion. He defended the undisputed champion as well. Oh, here's John Bones Jones. Yeah, I'm terrified. Wasn't that one. No matter who would have won that interim championship, the narrative would still be the same. The goat is getting older now and he's running from fights. 36-year-old, lifelong champion, started to contemplate retirement. What a chicken. Yeah, it wasn't that one, Brian, but all good. Never mind. Um, what was going to say? Yeah, yeah. Look, listen, I said if John Jones doesn't fight Tom Aspinall, and he's got to get through Stipe first, granted. If he doesn't, the narrative will always be that he was avoiding him. And a lot of people have come out in the comment section of my YouTube channel and say, no, love you, Bisping, but uh, disagree with you completely there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's a little, it's, it's, <clears throat> It is odd, right? Because we both expected, right? And I think everybody kind of did heading into the MSG card that was playing Stipe versus John Jones. I feel like we kind of expected to see at least one of them retire, if not both. So now because someone's been injured and there is an interim champion and there is quote unquote, someone to run from um, like that, that, that person at the top of the mountain who has a belt, who, who isn't Jones or Stipe, um, you know, that just puts the target right back on him when he might have made that decision eight, nine months ago that mm, he wants Steve yeah. to be his last fight ever. Well, 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 exactly. And I was going to say that. I was going to say playing devil's avocado. Just because someone someone decides to retire doesn't mean they're ducking somebody. I'm just saying that casuals, you know, would come to that kind of conclusion. But still, Jones is a legend. Uh, Hamilton, big MMA story. What have we got? Throw something um, at us. All right. Uh, well, I mean, just want to give you some props uh, because last episode, you know, when the announcement came out that Armin Sarukin was fighting Charles Oliveira, you said, uh oh, that's setting off some censors in my head. I think Islam is about to fight Justin Gaethje. Uh, well, Islam Makachev agrees. Uh, he says that, yeah, you can make Oliveira versus Saruki in the number one contender fight, but he wants to get active earlier. Uh, he said he's targeting Justin Gaethje uh, for a June 8th fight. And then the winner of Sarukian versus Oliveira in November in MSG, uh, followed up by another fight in mm. February of 2025. So we can get a third one in before Ramadan next year. You've got to respect that, to be honest. I mean, I mean, th there is a guy that's a champion. All right, he defended against Volkanovski, but he's calling out the toughest fights. Just engaging, no walk in the park for anybody. Everybody wants to see that. The winner of Armand, Sarukin and Oliveira, again, incredible. He announced June 8th as the date. There's already a pay-per-view. That's International Fire Week, Connor versus Chandler. Um, so it looks like, I mean, I don't know if he should have been saying that. I'm not breaking the news. Islam Makachev broke the news. Uh, but two pay-per-views that month, I would love to see it. It keeps me busy. I love that. Oh, man, that would be. Wait, so you're saying is the 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 Connor fight, is that is that date, the, the, the June 8th date? Well, I'm only saying, no, 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 June 29th. 
Oh, okay. So there is going to be, okay. I got you. So two yeah, June 29th. And I only, well, I mean, Connor said that date, we haven't had an official announcement yet from the UFC, but I was looking for concerts to go to, because I went to Depeche Mode with Beck recently and we had a, a brilliant time. So I was looking to see what else was around. And I looked at the T-Mobile website and as I looked on there, it's penciled in TBD, International Fire Week, uh, Connor versus Chandler. So yeah, there you go. There you go. That would be, uh, honestly, I want to see those two on a card together. Oh, like, yeah, just, yeah. Just imagine Islam and, and Connor at the same press conference table, just bringing up all those, uh, the 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 old Dagestani rivalry. That that gets my juices flowing. No, it does, it does. We were talking to um, MVP before about babies getting sucked out of airplanes. I mean, what a horrific, horrific thing to just imagine, oh. you know? You imagine sitting on a plane, the door gets ripped off and your baby gets sucked out of your lap and out the door. I'd like to not imagine that ever. That's um, it's giving me I'm literally sweating just thinking about it. But I do think I don't know, dude, like I just picture how tightly my wife holds on to the baby when we fly with her. I do you think it would suck it out of your arms? Yes. Yes. Well, well, well they're saying apparently that flight, it was only at 16,000 feet. If it was at 30,000 feet. Then uh, the, the the pull the the suction would have been a lot more, and people would have got sucked out of there as well. So it doesn't matter if you're just holding a baby and a door gets ripped off, and then all of a sudden you've got ridiculously powerful winds. I'm sorry, Harrington, baby Aura is going for a ride. <laughs> Dude, this is making me so nervous. And when you texted this to me earlier, my first thought was they are they're doing this as a way to generate revenue so that I'm no, they're not buy a ticket for my baby. When so I you're sounding down. like Brian right now. Brian, conspiracy corner time. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, this is what he texts me. He said, oh, they're just doing it to sell, to insist that you have to buy a seat for your baby because now they're saying you're going to put babies in a car seat and strap them in. Yeah, that's they explosively strange. decompressed a plane to make that point. Nope, that's that sounds right, Harrington. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So they're going to put fear, the fear of God into all of their passengers, seem like an unworthy airline just so they can sell a few more tickets. Well, I mean, look, we know how quick these planes are being turned around constantly. We, we've, we've, we've completely done away with any kind of like expectations of customer service in the air in the pursuit of getting just $5 off of a plane ticket. So, uh, you know, w- would it make sense for them to run a plane until it's at like, you know, at the breaking point? No. Uh, for um, them to then make more money selling tickets? Maybe? No, that's not what it is. I can't remember who said this, but... Um the collapse of society will show in our airports first. That's that's really what's happening. It's because all this DEI bullshit where people are just hiring to fill quotas instead of uh, skill, this is, this is what you get. You get low-quality shit, and when it comes to a life-or-death situation, when it relies on everybody being as uh, high in aptitude as possible at the thing that they're doing, when you start hiring people just to fill quotas, you're going to fuck that up. So you get stuff like this, like bolts from doors not getting secured mm-hmm. and, and shit falling off. This, no, you're that, absolutely this is, right, Brian. This is it. You're absolutely right. And uh, Elon Musk has been quite vocal on Twitter, X, calling this stuff out. And rightly so. And listen, you know, equal opportunities is fantastic. And, and there is a place for that. But meritocracy has to come first. 
It really does. And I've just sent you a link, uh, uh, Brian, to what I was talking about with MVP. I saw this last night on Twitter, and this just blew my mind. It's a 15-year-old, well, a, a, a pilot with 15 years' experience arguing with an air traffic controller. And she's like, yeah, I've Googled it. I've Googled it. We've got to hear this conversation. I don't know what a short landing is. Rebecca's father, Graham, shout out to the G-man. Uh, he will. So I sent it to him for, for to, to find out what this is. But um, no response yet. I, I watched this this morning. Oh, did you really? Yeah. You this, get it on screen and have a quick look. This made me so angry. For a short approach, if you're going to do a power off 180, that's my point. Well, okay. I will remember that from now on. No problem. Yeah, when you ask for a short approach, I expect you to turn your base to beam the numbers. I just want to be a full stop for 6-5 Charlie, and uh, maybe we need to talk about that some more because you're the first controller in 15 years that's ever said that. Well, I'm just, you know, I, I, if you ask for a short approach, a short approach is when you turn your base to beam the numbers. If I know you're a student asking for a short approach, I know you're out there practicing and you probably will extend. But if you're doing something other than a short approach, don't ask for a short approach. Well, I will definitely look up the definition of short approach because I've never seen where it says you turn base of beam the numbers because I don't see how you could possibly do that. Well, I Googled it, actually. I Googled short approach, <laughs> and it said to turn your base a beam or before the numbers, and you will land probably touchdown around midfield. All right, we could leave that there. So the air traffic controllers are Googling <laughs> what to do. Now, I don't know if this was a DEI thing. You know what I mean? Has to People be. are assuming it is. But anytime an air traffic controller that is, I mean, that probably wasn't a commercial fly, but regardless, regardless, I mean, Googling the rules mid-flight, that doesn't I'm sound like the best course of practice. I think he had passengers. I think that was a commercial flight. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I, from what I remember, I, I thought he already had 77 people aboard. I, I could be making yeah. that up, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a wild that, time. Isn't that one of those weird jobs, too, where they like, they make you, they have like a forced retirement age? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't be more than like 55 and be an air traffic controller or something like that. So. There's a, Well, it's not that, but there's a hard limit on hours worked and all that other stuff. Like, it's a super regulated job. Yeah, mm, yeah no. rightly so, rightly so. I mean, we're talking about people. We're talking about babies getting sucked out of goddamn aeroplanes. I mean, I don't know what a short landing is, so we'll leave that one there. But uh, <laughs> if you get on a plane, make sure you put your seatbelt on. Have you seen that Key and Peele skit? Have you seen that one? The, oh, Where they're no, on a plane and, and, and one of them saying, wear your seatbelt. And he says, I just need the bathroom. And he's saying, wear your seatbelt. He said, I just oh, need yeah. the bathroom. And then he insists on getting out of his seat and then gets sucked to the top of the plane and stuff. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And that is goddamn hilarious. Key and Peele, they are funny. All right, this episode is sponsored by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And they are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS daily fantasy sports it's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other plays including pros and sharks you just pick more or less like for example this weekend it is Johnny Walker versus Magomed Ankalaev in that fight will Magomed Ankalaev score over or under one and a half takedowns Will he land over or under one and a half takedowns? I'm going to say over. It's five rounds. There's my pick, but don't come at me. Also, the co-main event, Manel Kopp. Will he score 
or land over or under 65 significant strikes. See, there you go. It really is that easy. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few simple taps. Price Picks offers weekly promotions also that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Price Picks discounts select player projections of up to 25% to provide even more value. And Price Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this year. So, what more are you waiting for? All you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash believe. Over or under one and a half takedowns for Magomed Ankalaev. Over or under 65 strikes for Manel Cobb. I mean, it couldn't be that easy, right? It couldn't be easier, in fact. Uh, I could read this a bit easier. Sorry about that. Go to prizepicks.com slash believe. Use the code believe for a deposit match of up to $100. One more time, prizepicks.com slash believe. Code is believe for a deposit match of up to $100. All right, Hamilton, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that your background seems to have miraculously somehow changed. Yeah, we we figured out the miracle of teleportation here. So uh we're 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 rocking and rolling with this show. Yeah, I'll tell you what else is rocking and rolling. <laughs> Mike Perry. Mike Perry, as Michael Venner Page said, I mean the man's incredible. What he's doing in bare knuckle is phenomenal. And there's a little video doing the rounds of him trying to secure a fight with Nate Diaz. Mike Perry, Nate Diaz should be on UFC 300. He said there's no one to fight. Like, hi. You trying to go make 75 grand, Mike? I got Mick Maynard's number. I'm going to call his ass and be like, put me in, Nate, on 300. Dude, do it. Call him right now and tell him you want Nate on 300. It's not Mick Maynard. It's Hunter Campbell. What's up, you lunatic? <laughs> Nate Diaz says there's no one to fight on UFC 300. I'm saying me and Nate, y'all can bring me back for the little purse and then throw in the PPV points and then we can have a great show for UFC 300. I got a better idea. Oh, <laughs> I've got a better idea. Why don't you stop calling me mid podcast whilst <laughs> filming me and recording me to do a fight negotiation? <laughs> and by the way, why does Mike Perry look like, I don't know, a poor man's. Well, who, who is it? What's that film? I was going to say Juice Bigelow Male Jiggler. It's not that. No, Living Las Vegas. Oh. No, Boogie Nights. He looks like <laughs> uh, the character from Boogie Nights or something. Mike Perry, the porn star. Mike Perry, Nate Diaz, call me stupid, but I, I, I kind of like that fight. Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's a it's a it's a fun dynamic fight. It's a guy who, you know, two guys who have names outside of a belt, right? Like that if you're talking about like a like a BMF division, which you would consider, you know, Nate Diaz like a front runner to fight for that first belt, Mike Perry certainly cut from that same cloth. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean, as again, what Mike Perry's done is incredible, right? And I think he's gathered a lot of fans. You know what I mean? The people that he's beaten, Michael Venom Page being one in a close fight, Luke Rockhold another. Uh, who else did he? Oh, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, Alvarez just yeah, just recently. That was a goddamn war as well. Yeah, I like my Perry. He's a he's a wild man, but he's a great guy. Um, I'd like to see him back in the UFC, even if it is just one fight, two fights, whatever, against Nate Diaz. But Nate Diaz, though, came out this week. He's gonna be boxing Jorge Masvidal by all accounts. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Somebody was saying there was a uh, uh, like a, a early March date on the on the calendar for it. So um, yeah, Jake Paul I know came out and poo pooed it. He's like, oh yeah, big news. Nate's gonna box Jorge. It's like, well, no, kind of though. <laughs> well, well, Jake Paul's calling out Nate Diaz constantly for a mixed martial arts <laughs> fight. Do you know what I mean? So I'll tell you what, 
Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, rematch in the UFC. I'd rather see that than a boxing fight. No disrespect to Nate Diaz. He didn't look all that in that boxing fight against Jake Paul. Uh, kind of let himself down in that one. Um, mixed martial arts, though, that is his forte. That's what he's best at. And a rematch with Jorge Masvidal, who's now coming back. I'd rather see that than Ben Askren, if I'm honest. Right. So like that was Hunter's uh, uh, Hunter's actual response, because I went and watched more of that clip. He said, you know, you should convince Nate to come fight you in BKFC. And Perry's response was, no, uh, Nate doesn't want to do that. He's he wants to use his jujitsu again. So it's like I couldn't imagine, you know, like I, I couldn't imagine anything like it, it making sense to eliminate that ground game from a, your next fight with anyone. So hold on, you've seen the whole thing. So Hunter Campbell suggested that he fights Nate Diaz in bare knuckle. Yeah, and he said that he's offered it to Nate and Nate is not interested in in, uh, doing bare knuckle. So basically, Hunter wasn't interested whatsoever. <laughs> well, Hunter did have some follow-up questions. He's like, "What else is? What else does your deal have?" Like, and Perry said he can go do anything. Uh, Campbell did like clarify. He's like, "So anything else bare knuckle related would have to be through them." And Perry was like, "Yeah, I think I think that's the case." But you know, he said, "I'm leaving the door open." Okay, okay. Well, you never know. Mike Perry could make a return, and I, for one, would like to see it. Uh, Nate Diaz failing. Masvidal, failing Mike Perry. Who else you think? Hmm. I mean, well, it seems for- like he's itching big time to get back into UFC. Right. Like we we were supposed to get that Nate versus Poirier fight at one point. And that made a ton of sense to me, but he's now mashed up against uh, St. Denis. Yeah. So it's like the really the only guy is Justin Gaethje, but you got the champ calling him out. So I, I think that takes precedence over, over a Nate Diaz call out any day of the week. 100% without question. So anyway, it's a lot of if, buts, maybes. It's just Mike Perry having a laugh, being silly, calling Hunter Campbell, and probably wasting the time of a very busy man. Uh, so and should we talk probably about something- committing a crime in the process. You can't call someone and be like, hey, and just put an interview out with them and not tell them they're being recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think Hunter's going to give a shit. Um, so what definitely is happening, though, is that the UFC is finally back after, what, a four-week hiatus Feels good. I'll be leaving. I'll be packing shortly to go to the airport, flying into Vegas, commentate these fights. Main event, Johnny Walker, Magomed Ankalaev. It seems uh, we should have went through this on Monday with Anthony because if anybody knows these two and who you know would have some insight, nobody knows better than Anthony Smith, of course. Fell short to both of them, but Anthony will be back, no doubt about that. But um, I, w- I spoke to both of these guys this week. If you recall, just a quick refresh, the fight ended very quickly. Three minutes, 13 seconds, illegal knee uh, to a downed opponent. Magomed Ankalaev need him in the face. He said, where are you? The doctor did. He said, I'm in the desert. They called the fight off. So obviously we have fighter meetings and I spoke to Johnny Walker about it. And he said on the night when he got kneed in the face, being a fighter, of course, he wanted to continue. And he was actually initially annoyed with the doctor's decision. But then he went on to say that after the fight, his neck, his jaw, his collarbone, everything kind of just like clammed up and he was in a lot of pain. Uh, so he, the best thing for him was that the fight didn't continue, even though at the time he did want to. Uh, in hindsight, he agrees with the doctor's decision. Now, when you look at that fight, um, one of the key takeaways for me is that Magomed Ankalaev did push him up against the fence, did kind of initiate a takedown, did have Johnny Walker on one knee, of course, that's when he needed him in the face, uh, but he couldn't complete that takedown. Right. Uh, Johnny Walker came to the UFC 
ridiculously explosive, uh, unpredictable, you know what I mean? And that's kind of why he was so successful. Even hurting himself in his post-fight celebrations, the man is a wild, wild, wild man, that's for sure. Uh, but he has been improving. He's been with John Kavanaugh now over in Ireland for about four or five years. He's married an Irish woman. His English is perfect. You can have a full-blown, normal-speed conversation with Johnny Walker. His English is absolutely bang on. And with, with John Kavanaugh and the other coaches that he mentioned, you know, the kind of forming the base of fundamentals because I think in the past he was doing it off, of course, some training, but sheer athleticism, you know what I mean, to be honest. And now he's kind of learning the fundamentals. Got to be careful that you don't take away the the wildness that made it successful in the first place. But um, he did. He was doing a good job of stopping that takedown. Magomed Ankalaev couldn't force him to his back. And I think now coming into this one, that's going to allow Johnny Walker to be in kind of a positive place, you know, because when you're fighting a Magomed Ankalaev or anyone from Dagestan for that matter, you know you're fearing the wrestling, you're fearing the takedown. So therefore it causes you to clam up and not have the output that you typically would with your striking. Well, I think we might see Johnny Walker go out there and be a little more reckless, a little more free with the striking, with the kicks, with the output. And we could see a very, very exciting fight. Yeah, I mean, he's a very, very hard man to keep down, especially with that frame, right? He's just so lanky. It's hard to lock down, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the those limbs. He's just so big for the division. So I do see it like that was my read going into the first fight was like, even if if Ankalaev can get him down early on, I don't know that he can keep him there and 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 work his kind of game plan where he he does like the smother guys. He likes to break their will, sap their energy. Johnny Walker does not seem seem like that kind of guy. Like he is just going to keep getting up and coming at you throwing absolute bombs uh you know until until he cracks your chin so mm, I, I don't yeah. know i do i do like his chances of going into this rematch well i think when you break it down when you look at both guys of course the wrestling side of things and probably grappling in general including jiu-jitsu you got to go with Vankalaev. i think on the feed the more dangerous guy is johnny walker magomed probably has fundamentals the basics you know the cleaner striker locked in but speed power and unpredictableness, if that's even a word. Yeah, I go with Johnny Walker for that one. So I can't predict this one because I'm calling the five. But um, oof, I think both men have a path to success. How do you see this one? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I was uh, I was on Walker the first time out. I don't I don't see any reason to uh, to to change my prediction there. But I mean, you know, that first fight was it was a little bit iffy, right? I, Uncle I was able to impose his will just a little bit, but you know, I I, I don't know. I want to see what Walker looks like it, towards towards the tail end of that third round because I think his gas tank issues that were a thing early on in his career have kind of been mitigated a bit, and he's still bringing heat on his punches in the third round. I've seen Uncle I will at the very tail end of third rounds as well. And you got to remember Johnny Walker's got an 82-inch reach compared to Magomed's 75-inch, so that's a big advantage there. He's the taller guy at 6'5 versus 6'3. Uh, I went through some of the skill stuff a second ago. Uh, I think Ankalaev, you know, if you can put him on his back foot, that'll be a key to success for Johnny Walker. Somebody like Ankalaev or any kind of wrestler, you've got to force them backwards. And I think if Johnny Walker is confident, like he said he is, he's very strong, he's very explosive, and he feels confident in stopping the takedowns. If he can walk him down, if he can put Magomed Ankalaev on the back foot, it becomes much, much harder to shoot a takedown, to initiate a grappling sequence if you're getting beaten up, if you're getting forced backwards. So I think that's going to be the key. And probably for both men, who can force the other guy backwards? You know, for Magomed that obviously pushes Johnny up against the fence and initiate takedowns like that. And as I said, for Johnny Walker, if he puts him on the back foot, it makes him hard to even start grappling in the first place. So what is your pick? Sounds like you're going Johnny Walker. 
Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take Johnny Walker. I don't understand why the odds are are as wide as they are. When I've seen I've seen Johnny Walker take on wrestlers before, and and you know he's had as much success as as anybody else. So you know I, I I'm gonna go with the haymaker. Uh, uh, you know, just a big shot, Johnny Walker, to get this one done. I would love to know Anthony's pick on this one. That would be very very interesting. We should text him or something, but that would take too long on a live show. Just shoot him a text, Brian, if you can. While we're on it, I'll do it right now. Having to while I feel. Um, yeah, good fight. You know, a lot of people are picking Magomed Ankalaev and a lot of people have him as the champion. Both of these guys feel that a win here puts them either next in line or one fight away from a title fight with the light heavyweight division, Alex Pereira. He's probably going to fight Jamal Hill next, right? So I would assume the winner of this is in a very good position to challenge the winner. What do you well, think? I mean, it depends because it's like, you know, the, the Jamal Hill thing is, you know, I, as far as an Achilles goes, to me, that's a one-year injury, you know, bare minimum. So that means he wouldn't be ready to come back until, you know, July of this year. That feels like a long time for Alex Pereira to be on the shelf, given how active he's been. So you could be looking at, at a number one contender fight in either this. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Remember, remember, uh, when we did the podcast in November, Jamal Hill was training then. Right. And Jamal Hill had lost weight. So I don't know. Summer, May, something like that. There's nothing booked pay-per-view-wise as May. We know April's UFC 300 and maybe even Islam, according to what he says, but there's nothing lined up for May. That's another five months from now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think Jamal would be ready for then if Pereira wants to wait. But wait. But outside of that, so you got Magomed Ankalaev, you've got Yuri Prohaska at one, of course. Yuri's just lost. Jan Blahovic, is he going to fight lined up? Uh, Yeah, he is fighting... Uh, nope. No, he was supposed to fight Rackage, but then he got hurt. So, no, he doesn't have a fight lined up. He's injured. Yeah, well, they ain't going to do that. They ain't going to do that anytime soon. No offense, because the first one was a bit of a... It wasn't the best fight. Johnny Walker's there at seven. Nikita Krilov. Yeah, I probably. Yeah. The winner of Jamal Hill and Alex Pereira, or, as you say, you never know, depending on Jamal's return, um, maybe the winner of this gets a title fight. Right, so, especially because Yuri, Yuri versus Rakic is the only other one, but that's all the way at UFC 300, you know? So yep, it's like this yep. is the only fight between two top contenders in this window. Yeah, interesting. So co-main event, Manel Kopp taking on Matez Nicolau. That's a rematch. Manel Kopp uh, lost the first one in a very, very close fight. Could have gone either way. Uh, since then, though, Manel Kopp has looked fantastic. Last time out, took on a short notice. What was it? Felipe Dos Santos. I'm just looking at Felipe Dos Santos, David Dvorak, Jagas Jumagulov, Ode Osborne. Two stoppages, two decisions. And then that's when he lost to Matez Nicolau and his UFC debut, Alejandro Pantoja. Now, Manel says that those two losses initially were because he was still transitioning from fighting in a ring out in Japan to fighting in a cage in the in the UFC. And there probably is some validity to that. It does change things up, certainly when it comes to wrestling and defending takedowns and getting back to your feet. However, I think it's probably more than likely you just fought Alejandro Pantoja, man. Pantoja is brilliant. Nicolau is a very, very good fighter as well. Uh, did you know, though, I didn't know this until I spoke to Manel yesterday. In that first fight, Manel Kopp detached the retina of Mateus Nicolau in the second round. First round, a lot of people probably don't remember it. Obviously, I've watched it again. Uh, wasn't much output from Manel. Mateus Nicolau won the first round. Second round, Manel went out there way busier, landing some big shots, hit him with a brutal uppercut. And then Nicolau said to me yesterday, he had a detached retina, had surgery to repair that. And in the third round, he was blind. So I said, well, 
obviously I know a thing or two about detached retinas. I said, are you not nervous going into this fight with the guy that detached your retina last time? And his answer was, no, I'm not. If anything, that makes me more confident because I know in the third round, I was pretty much blind in that one eye and I was still able to win the fight. Um, I don't think when you detach your retina, the symptoms are immediate. Well, it might be sometimes, but with mine, it wasn't. For me, I didn't know for months later. Uh, so I'm not trying to take away from anything uh, Nicolau says. I mean, I'm sure he knows what happened in the third round better than I do. But how do you see that one going, Harrington? I mean, I had, you know, I, I did a little video on this yesterday. You talked about it earlier in the show. And, like, I went back and watched the the first fight. And I, on the night, had it scored for cop. Uh, watching it on the rewatch, I had it scored for cop. So, um, to me... He's already gotten it done the 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 first time out. He just he needs the judges to agree with him. Um, he has so much power, and I, I I did look at that that idea of transitioning from from you know the the other organization. He was fighting at one thirty five, so that that uh, the Pantoja fight and the Nikolau fight were his first two fights at one twenty five in quite some time. Um, you know, I think he's figured out a way for his power to translate now at this lower weight class. And that's going to be a real problem for Nicolau because he saw it at the very beginning. Now he's going to see the finished product. So I mentioned it earlier. Uh, you did an Instagram video where you turned, how much was it into how the, much? So the goal is to turn $50 into $50,000. By International Fight Week? By UFC 300 is the idea. All right. So by UFC 300, you turn $50 into 50000 Mm-hmm. Real quick, condense it, make it fast. Explain to the believers how they can take fifty dollars and turn it into fifty thousand dollars. Because we're talking about this, I'm sure they want to hear it. I'll give you a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Just give me all the give me the majority of the profit. Sure. So, so basically, all you have to do, Harrington, is get every single pick correct on every single fight card. How many fights per event? So the idea is you 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 just need to get to plus 100, right? So you can take, generally speaking, the two or three biggest favorites on the card, put them together, and you're over plus one. As long as you're above even money, you just double it every event. For 10 events, $50 becomes over 50000 Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So in this fight card here, you've got Johnny Walker, right? And you've got yep. Manel Cop. I've got Jim Miller and Manel Cop. Oh, Jim Miller and Manel Cop. Jim Miller coming back against Gabriel Benitez, not Brock Lesnar. Uh, a lot of people. <laughs> Even though that's a 50-50 fight. Did you see how? I don't know. Anthony's out of his mind for that one. That is, I love Jim Miller. I don't think that's a 50-50 fight. Sorry, Brian. We got so much coverage because Anthony said that. It's crazy. I just keep seeing clips of Anthony, of people being like, I don't know what he's talking oh. about. Did you see Jim Miller addressed it at the the? I know he, yeah. he spoke to you personally about it, but he addressed no, it fine. at the press conference. He said, "I could get a Kimura." Yeah, yeah, no, he did. He did. I don't know if he could. I mean, he could get in a position to get a Kimura. Brock Lesnar would just pick up Jim Miller with one <laughs> and smash him into the canvas like a Hulk smash. Uh, hold on, here we go. Good job, Brian. Uh, I'm going to start a petition. And I don't know if he's going to do it. Oh, but uh, sorry, this is a different uh, clip. I think. It is. I it want is. This is the uh, Bruce, Buffer. Bruce to introduce me as Jim F Miller at UFC 300. Bruce Buffer will not do that. Bruce Buffer will not. Bruce Buffer is too much of a gentleman and he values his brand and reputation. I mean, listen, Bruce Buffer, of course, he swears here and there, but I don't think he'd do it. I don't think he'd do it. That would be awesome, though. Jim fucking Miller. 
They got a compromise, maybe like a freaking. Uh, Jim Miller taking on Mario Batista and opening up the main card. Phil Hawes versus Bruno Ferreira. Also, Ricky Simone. Sorry, Jim Miller fighting Gabriel Benitez, pardon me, and Ricky Simone and Mario Batista. That's a good one to watch as well. Mario Batista is on quite a roll right now. He is very, very good to watch. What is it? Five wins in a row. Damon Blackshear, Guido Canetti, Benito Lopez, Brian Kelleher, and Jay Perrin. Five. Decent names. Uh, three finishes out of that five, taking on, as I said, Ricky Simone, who dropped his first ever main event against Songy Dong in his last fight. Phil Hawes versus Bruno Ferreira. That'll be a fun one as well. And of course, the prelim headliner, the man that's been going for a million years, Andre Orlovsky going up against Waldo Cortez Acosta. Now, you won't know probably the name unless you're a hardcore Waldo Cortez Acosta. If you watch the Contender series, you will do. If you really, really follow the sport, you'll know the guy. He's, uh, he comes from, where is it? Where is it? Caribbean Island. Right about, no, he doesn't talk like this, though. He does not talk like this, you know, but he comes from a Caribbean Island. Anyway, he used to play bas- uh, baseball. And he, he has a very fast hand, okay? Throws a fastball at about 100 miles an hour or something. Is it the DR? Dominican Republic. There we go. There you go. Thank you very much. He's got a can of red strap in one hand and a baseball in the other. Uh, and he was a very good baseball player. However, he was thrown off the team because guess what? What did he do? He got into fights. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> uh, so now he's in the UFC doing pretty good. I forget his record off the top of my head, but so far, so good. He has some fast hands, obviously, with the baseball background. So that's what Arlovsky's got to be careful of here. So Arlovsky made his UFC debut in the year 2000. He's been around forever. I mean, we all know the story. Uh, 44 years old. Uh, I, I, you, I have so much respect for somebody like Andre Arlovsky a man that's been around the sport for so long, the longevity of his career. I mean, I was just trying to look at his record there, but it's there's so much bump on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's taken a million years to get there. Right, 34 wins, 23 losses, 17 knockouts, three submissions, has been knocked out 12 times. Last time against Dontel Mays, he got knocked out there, submitted by Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Then he was on a four-fight win streak. You go all the way back to the year 2000. The year 2000 is when he made his UFC debut. 23 years later, still going strong. Unbelievable. Second fight in the UFC for Rico Rodriguez. Then Pedro Hizor, Ian Freeman, <laughs> Vladimir Matyushenko, Tim Sylvia, Wesley Carrera, Justin Eilers, Paul Buantello. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Tim Sylvia, twice on the trot. I was there for one of them. UFC 59, Anaheim, California, 2006. I'd just come off the Ultimate Fighter, and they flew the entire cast out to watch that fight. And uh, do you know who I met? What's he called? Oh, man, I feel bad. He's he's the actor. He plays the big guy in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, uh, uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan, there you go. Yeah, he came over and wanted to meet us all. Dana brought him over. I was like a little kid. I'm like, oh, my God, I know you. You know, So uh, I remember that event well. But anyway, is, that when you, is that when you fell in love with Anaheim? You were like, this is it. I got to live here. That is not when I fell in love with Anaheim at all. And I live in Anaheim Hills. Maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. You know, we're very fancy. Uh, Fedor Emelianenko, Roy Nelson, Bigfoot Silver. I mean, the, it, this guy's had a legendary career. But the question is, how long can he go on for? I wish him nothing but the best this weekend. And yeah, there's a little roundup. Some fun ones on the undercard as well for Reed Basharat, Taylor 
Lapilus out of France, Matthew Semmelsberger, Preston Parsons. And yeah, there we go. Today's episode is sponsored by Eight Sleep, the high-tech solution to your age-old sleeping issues. Eight Sleep pod cover slips right over your mattress, bringing heating and cooling technology that keeps you comfortable and sleeping deeper for a better, more restful night. Listen, in our house, you always hear me going about how hot it is in here. Well, it's the same when I go to bed. The room is bloody boiling. If you're too hot at night, you won't sleep well, okay? So eight sleep will take care of that. But your wife on the other side of the bed, well, she wants it warmer. Well, guess what all you got to do on do is put on the eight sleep mattress cover and you can set either side of the mattress to be the exact temperature that you want. So no more tossing and turning and no more falling out with the missus and arguing over the thermostat. Sleep science shows that in order to sleep your best, the body temperature needs to drop, as I said, in the middle to the early part of sleep and rise in the morning. The pod cover will improve your sleep by automatically adjusting your bed's temperature based on your individual needs. The cover can be added to any bed like a fitted sheet and allows you and your partner to cool or warm your side of the bed as low as 55 degrees and up to 110 degrees. If you want it 110 degrees, you're out of your mind, but that's the kind of range that this gives you. In addition to keeping you at the perfect temperature all night, the pod also attracts your sleep and health metrics. On average, pod users see their sleep quality improve by a massive 32% after just a month on the pod. So what more are you waiting for? If you're having sleep issues, this thing will take care of it and you will feel like a better version of yourself. You don't want to have a terrible night's sleep. You wake up the next day, you're not productive and all the rest of it. And trust me, this is the best thing on the market to get you the sleep that you require. There's no better way to improve your day-to-day life than better sleep. And the easiest way to do that is with eight sleeps pod three. Start the new year right and invest in the rest that you deserve with the eight sleep pod cover. So right now go to 8sleep.com slash to get $200 off plus free shipping. So listen, great product, great offer. One more time, 8sleep.com slash to get $200 off and free shipping. Uh, fight of the night pick for you, Harrington. Uh, I mean, uh, what was the one I was going to... I mean, look, I like that Arlovsky is like, he's still very capable of turning back people, right? Like if you are not, if you don't belong in the top 15, you're not beating Andre Arlovsky. I don't care how old he is. So, you know, that he, the, there is always a list for that, especially with somebody like Waldo Acosta-Cortez who hits as hard as he does. I could see Andre Arlovsky taking down another 50 grand, but my uh, I'm going to pick Fareed Basharat. Um, there's something about his fights. They're always entertaining. There's a ton of grappling in them. It's 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 high level, fast pace. Uh, so yeah, that's my that's my pick for fight of the night. Yeah, the Basharat brothers, if you're not familiar because they fly under the radar a little bit, Fareed Basharat and Javid Basharat, two brothers fighting, I think they're Afghan, but they fight out of London. They currently live in Las Vegas. Extremely technical, great boxing, incredible jiu-jitsu. Train with uh, Jake Shields as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good fight, though. Taylor Lapalus was in the UFC, got cut for a bit, came back last year at UFC Paris, had a good performance there. My pick, fight of the night, and put your $1,000 on this. Mateus Nicolau Manel Cart, the flyways, mm. they're going to bring it. And the main event will be sick as well. Before we get to questions, Harrington, is there any breaking news or any topics or a good non-MMA story that you feel is worthy of my discussion? Uh, and I'll throw that to you as well, Brian. What's going on in Brian world? Yeah. You know Brian's got a wild story. <laughs> yeah, Brian, give me some. Oh, on, I mean, I mean, we could talk about how... Uh, the thing in Miami could possibly be the government and Project Bluebeam. I don't know what that is, and I don't think I want to get into it. 
<laughs> but just real quick, what is Project Bluebeam? <laughs> it's uh, the government's laser uh, hologram program. Oh, oh, like that's what they accused of happening in Hawaii, right? No, that's that's space lasers from people who live under New York City. Uh, what I'm talking about is, um, it's like a projected, like realistic projected holograms from space. I, okay. it's it's a it's a deep rabbit hole to dive down. But yeah, yeah, that's why I said real quick, yeah, real quick, yeah, and we won't yeah. go there. I tell you what, speaking of New York City, though, Brian, uh, seeing a lot of unrest going on there. What's going on with all these tunnels that they found? Yo, the that tunnels, is such kids okay. getting kicked out of school for the immigrants. Uh, there's it's such a lot a crazy of wild story. stories going on right now. They, the people in the synagogue were trying to uh, cement up the tunnel that they had underneath their 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 building there, and then they got caught when they were. Because they were trying to, to fill it with cement. Why did they have a tunnel dug in the first place? That's, That's a good question, Michael. That is a good huh. question. And uh, we are on way too public of a channel for me to start okay. speculating. All right. No, 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 no. I'm serious. That was not I'm a loaded question. I literally have no idea. You look at Twitter. You know, the for you section on Twitter yeah. is wild. It's <laughs> it's insane. Like, because I didn't realize. I was like, what are all these crazy accounts and all this mad shit on my timeline? And then I realized I'm on the for you, not following. You go back uh, to following yeah. now, though. It's so boring. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> oh, we just had a three-mile run. You know what I mean? Where's you go to for you? It's, there's, there's, that's the algorithm murders oh my god there's craziness there's wild stuff going on it's insane and like i've got to get off there but sometimes if i'm bored and i want a little wild five minutes have a look at that for you section on twitter (laughs) and it will blow your mind i just get on to look at the news sometimes and it's just like oh murders and like horrific accidents and crashes that's that's the majority of what my timeline is yeah, I would. We should. We should play a game where we pull our phones out and just pull up our for you section. But we're not doing it because that's danger. Gives an insight. That's danger. That is dangerous, <laughs> baby. Um, all right. If you have a question, please send it into bympod at gmail.com Before you start, Harrington, Anthony Smith will be back on Monday. We're going to review Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker too. Going to go through all the big news, etc., etc. Uh, but yeah, send your questions in bympod at gmail.com and if you're listening on Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star rating, positive review. It really helps out on all those platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel and you hit that notification bell to find out whenever a new video drops. And if you want to catch over 500 episodes you can't find anywhere else, completely ad-free and totally uncensored, head to gasdigital.com. Use the promo code BYM. Get a seven-day free trial. Check out over 20 great shows on the network. Boom. All right. So we got a question here from Milutan. I think he's from Serbia. My name is Milutin. I'm from Serbia and uh, I have a question for you. Before that, I want to uh, thank Anthony for being open with all of us, uh, with expressing his feelings, uh, thoughts on the BYM. Uh, it's really an aspect of your show that, you know, we don't get only the fun part, but we also get the real uh, life experiences and, uh, you know, let's say hard- hardships, right? Uh, the question is, what do you think would change in fights um, if the fighters don't know who they're fighting, basically? Like, let's say you got information, hey, you're fighting a wrestler or you're fighting a kickboxer. 
So you just know that your opponent will be a wrestler, but you don't know his special techniques, his special combos, or the, I don't know, whatever. And uh, Harrington, uh, I want to say something in my language that means I love you. Pushy Kurets, Yementi Materu Pitchku, Yerna. Two. Push it, Thank you. Push it, Dude, there was a spit at the end. <laughs> the spit no at the end way. really yeah, sold yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> 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 um, Millerton, Millerton, I love you too, brother. What you don't love me? Jesus Christ, I'm very, very annoyed by this. Um, yeah, that was very open of Anthony, you know what I'm saying? And I think that you know, that's what as a fighter, you've got to be you've got to be open like that. You've you, you, well, you don't have to, but I think it does, um, serve you well to just be honest. You know what I'm saying? Because what else can you do? You can't lie. You can't bullshit. You can't put out a tough guy persona and say, look, listen, I was doing so great or whatever it may be. It isn't going to change your thing. Everybody saw what happened. You just can't give up on yourself. You know, and I do, I thank Anthony for being so open. And I think a lot of people do as well, because I think it is good for other people that are going through tough times to see somebody like Anthony, alpha males, you know, being vulnerable and showing that, hey, listen, Life sucks. Life gets you down. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Life is hard, you know, and it's life is already hard, right? Just to sustain yourself and live and have a roof over your head and pay the bills and deal with drama in your day-to-day life. And then I, I don't want to be cliched about this, but you know, people looking to be offended. There's all life's already hard enough. Why are you going to seek out extra <laughs> shit to make your life hard? You know what I mean? So thank you, Militant, uh, Militant, Militant, whatever it was. I'll tell you what, I think he might be onto something here. Because how would it change fights if we didn't know the opponent? Well, you would have to prepare for every eventuality, which I guess in some ways would result in better fighters. So that's the short answer to that question. But what I'm what, what I like the sound of is though you pick 16 fighters, eight fighters, you have a tournament. And you train, and only on the night they do the first round, and you don't know who it is. They pick the names out of a hat, and you have no idea until you're about to make your walk or whatever, or on the night they announce it. So you have the first round like that, and then you have the second round, and again, you don't know who you're fighting because whoever makes it to the next round, they pull those names out of a hat as well. Hey, probably a little bit silly and definitely a bit gimmicky, but it would uh, would be fun. Dude, I wanted that so bad for the middleweight division when it was like, you know, it was you and Weidman and Luke Rockhold and Robert Whitaker and like a bunch of guys where it's like you could make any one of these fights mix and match in the top 10 at that point were incredible fights. So it's like it was set up for that. I Lightweight actually might be where that's at right now. So like mm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate the idea of like a tournament or a Grand Prix. But what jumped out to me with that question was. Uh, guys not sitting on the sideline, right? You never know which opponent is going to be for the title. You know what I mean? Like if, if you would, under that system, you wouldn't know if you had a title shot or not. You would just need to keep grinding. Don't say no to fights because any one of these could have a belt attached to them. Yeah, I mean, it would never happen in a big league promotion like the UFC. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's too structured. The structure and there's professionalism there and there's rankings there. But just for like, Also promotion, know, for a bit of fun. It'd be good for a bit of fun. I'm not saying the UFC do that at all, but just as a fan to sit there and see the reactions on the faces, you know what I mean? You're a striker, you're like, shit, I'm going up against Magomed and Kaliyev in a minute. <laughs> um, what was going to say then? Oh, you mentioned Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. Chris Weidman, I saw he's coming back. He's fighting Bruno Silva. He and he said that um, 
this could be his last ever fight. This could be the last one. He said his body's been beating up so much over the past, God knows how many years it is. Um, if he doesn't get the job done here, then this would be the last one. I think that was the quote. Was it anything to add? Because I see you looking it up. Uh, no, I was just looking up uh, Bruno Silva and what the date for the fight was. But I did see that. Uh, I did see that poll quote earlier that, uh, yeah, he was he was going into it, you know, saying this very well could be his last fight. And Bruno Silva is not an easy opponent. Bruno Silva, he doesn't have the the recognition, if you will, or, or a high ranking. I don't even know if he's ranked, to be honest. But am I right in thinking that's Israel Adesanya or not Alex Pereira? Pereira. But up against he- Bruno Silva, they went to a decision. Bruno Silva is a very powerful striker, very explosive as well. The path to victory for Chris Weidman will be to use the wrestling and take him down. But that's a hard path. When you Chris's age, he's got to be what? 40 by now he's got to be almost 40 Uh, i'm 40 i'm 44 for crying out loud you know what i mean so he's got to be at least 40 something like that what's it say 39 turns 40 in june yeah yeah so 39 39 a lot of wear and tear but i wish him all the best uh what else have we got brian all right so we got a question here from uh joseph bowling hey mark one anthony it's joe from maryland Quick question. Who do you think will break out in 2024? Title contender, superstar, win the belt, whatever. I got two names to watch out for. I'm going with Sean Brady and Jalen Turner. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. What's his name from Maryland? Joe, I believe. Did I nail that, Brian? Nailed it. Nice. Old Joe from Maryland. Well, Jalen Turner's already kind of broken out, Joe, because he's like, Top ten, right? I he's I been around the top ten for a while. He fought on the pay per view well over a year ago. He fought. He had a close fight with Mataj Gamrot, right? Yeah, but the he's other guy who broken he, out of the shell. The other guy who we mentioned was Sean Brady, who's like in a similar position. Where like, yes, they are. They're ranked. They're doing well. But these are not guys who you consider directly in title contention i think that was kind of his his question who makes the leap this year yeah yeah yeah. well i think oh sorry no go on i was gonna say i think it's somebody uh that we were talking about on the trivia quiz is uh diego lopez i think you bastard you took my (laughs) plate that's exactly what i was gonna say diego lopez in fact this weekend we have um another guy to keep an eye out on the prelims. Uh, he's had two wins in the UFC. Where is he? Marcus McGee. I think oh. he might have got like the best newcomer or something like that last year. He had two great wins. Uh, so keep an eye on that name. But Diego Lopez. Diego Lopez. There's a big breakthrough star. There's a guy. He's not in the rankings. He hasn't been itching and clawing and scratching his way to the top. Although Sean Brady. Who did Sean Brady just beat? He just had a big yes, win Gastelum, yeah, smoked him, right? Oh, yeah, pillar to post. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, shame that for Gastelum. But yeah, Sean Brady, yeah, no, good one there. But yeah, I'm with Brian. Diego Lopez, this is going to be a big year. I'm going to go lightweight class. Uh, Tatsuro Tiara, Tairi. I'm not sure. He's the Japanese dude. Tatsuro Tiara. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Michael Bisping. He's 15 and 0. Uh, you know, stunning knockout uh, his last time out, and like he has the he has the flash and the power that 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 one like the the Manel Kopstad what I was just talking about. I, I I like him going forward. Do you know what breakout? Uh, some some guy that's I'm gonna say Israel Adesanya. 
Wow. <laughs> this time next year. No, just engage it. Just engage it. Oh, dear. You think either of those guys have what it takes to be in the top 10, Mike? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, do we have one more, Brian? Sure. We got one here from uh, Kevin from Texas. This is from uh, during the break. Good old Kev. What's up, Believe You Me crew? Kevin from Texas here. Huge fan. Uh, honestly, the month y'all were gone kind of sucked. That first episode back, I was fired up, ready to go back to my normal routine on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, my question today, Sean O'Malley, Aaliyah Taporia, they're going at it on link uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter, X, whatever it is. Um, my question, what are the chances we see that fight this year? Uh, Aaliyah Taporia versus Sean O'Malley in 2024 out of 10. I think probably like a six, but I really do hope it happens. Peace. Well, thank you, Kevin. Uh, it's funny because them two have been chatting a little bit on social media. You actually put it in the notes. Uh, first of all, Volkanovsky's got his hands full. Sorry, Taporia's got his hands full with Volkanovsky. And I think Volkanovsky has his hands full with Taporia. You know, I think that's going to be a really, really good entertaining fight because Volkanovski, even though he did a pretty good job at negating the takedowns of Islam Makachev, he's not really a wrestler per se. He's a striker first. Tapori is a striker first. He's undefeated. He can grapple. He can submit people like Bryce Mitchell. I think that's a really, really good fight. Uh, O'Malley, he's also got his hands full with Cheeto Vera. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, what do you so, think? So, I mean, here is the he, – he gave it a 6 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10 uh, based on this quote from, Oma, uh, from O'Malley. Uh, if he goes out there and beats Volk and I go out there and beat Cheeto, that fight's happening next. That's just what's happening. Um, mm. So there's a lot of ifs there, right? Like he has to go out there and beat Cheeto, which I don't see happening. And Taporia has to go out there and beat Volkanovski in a fight that I'm – you know, I'm picking Volkanovski in that fight. So I'm going to say like less than a 50-50 chance, but the I, I, I would put it as high as four because if those two things do happen, for O'Malley to say it like that, I, I can't, I wouldn't disagree with him, right? Well, like, O'Malley's a big star. Right. Uh, and whilst I probably favor Cheeto and maybe I'm a little biased because of that, you know, because of my association with him, uh, every fight is different. I always say this, every fight is different. So just because Cheeto got it done the first time, that doesn't mean automatically that he gets it done a second time. I think it's a really good fight as well. Um, but with O'Malley being a big star, if, and it's a big if, if he can retain the belt, if he can retain the belt, given the magnitude of his popularity, you never know. I think he would be a guy that could go up to 145, given the, the height of the guy, the length of the man, put it on a little bit of muscle. But as you say, a lot of if, buts, and maybes. But I like it. I like to see these guys daring to be great. I like to see him calling out other champions, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there it is. Also, right? it was two weeks, not a month. Come on. That we were gone. Off. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate it regardless. The fact that it felt like a month. I'll tell you what, it feels like I'm in a sauna. I asked Rebecca to turn the heating off before I came in here. The heat is not off. It doesn't need to be on in the first place. This is the hottest room in the house. 
It really, no, seriously, it, it gets so yep. fucking hot in here. That's not why I'm wrapping up the show. We're going to be back on Monday. We're going to give a full review. We're going to have some guests. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. Good to have the UFC back. Nice job. Big thank you to Michael Venom Page as well. Brian and Harrington, as always, much appreciated. And all you guys, if you haven't subscribed and rung the bell, do so right now. Enjoy your weekends and see you Monday. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 